Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hey, this is Nick from Indiana. Uh, I listened to the audio drama on the left-right game uh, after hearing uh, John make the suggestion. And I consume my horror mostly uh, through podcasts and audio dramas and whatnot. Um, of course, I'm subscribed to Creepy and SCP, but I would like to know if uh, anyone has any suggestions for any good horror-related uh, audio dramas or anything of that nature. Uh, I would be fascinated to hear uh, what you might suggest. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. So I feel like I already have the answer to this one from Megan and Zena's point of view, but do either of you ever listen to horror audio dramas? I do not. I do this not. is all you. Yeah, so I was about to say that. I think that this is this is on you, John. Yeah, I thought it might be, and that's fine. <laughs> um, so it, it's kind of a double-sided answer, one of which is like it depends on what you're looking for in horror audio dramas. If you're looking for anthology horror, something along the lines of creepy, then I always suggest the No Sleep podcast. Um, to me, they're the gold standard for anthology style uh, storytelling. If you want something that's kind of a blend of anthology and serialized, the Magnus Archives is amazing. There's kind of an underthread connecting the stories they do through that. Um, oh, shoot. I was just thinking of another in that realm. Uh, the Lift is a great anthology podcast. Otherwise, if you're looking for something more serialized, uh, The Black Tapes is probably the most well-known. If you haven't already uh, heard of it, it's very popular. Um, and I think they're going to come back and kind of redo their last season, but that's not what we're here to discuss. Um, Limetown is a great one. Limetown actually got picked up for production on Facebook. Whatever Facebook's video channel was, they ended up getting produced on there, and Jessica Biel actually stars in the reproduction of the first season. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but really good audio drama. Um, I like the first season more than the second. Again, that's just me, but definitely worth checking out. Um, otherwise, uh, uh, Darkest Night is a great one. Um, it's full uh, surround audio drama. It's, it's bi-oral audio drama. So like, when you hear someone move, you hear them move from left to right or right to left in your ears. So it's best done with headphones on. Like it, You just don't get the same if you're just listening on your phone or your computer. Um, oh, what's more good ones? Uh, Campfire Radio Theater is another anthology that's phenomenal production value. Um, uh, The White Vault is a great one. It's set in like an Arctic research station and the horrible things that go on there. See, Megan's smiling. It's like, I can keep going. There's a lot. I know. I'm like, poor Nick is probably overwhelmed with choices right now, which is good. I hope, I hope he is. Like, there's really a ton out there. And I feel bad because I'm, I'm probably leaving out ones that I really like too. Like, Darkest Night's great. Deadly Manners, Heads of Sierra Blanca, uh, The White Vault Lift, um, like Subject Found is a great one. Lighthouse is a newer one that came out. If you're looking for more like a comedy side of things, my favorites are uh, Are You Scared of These Stories and My Neighbors Are Dead. I, I can go on and on. If you want to find out more, hit me up on email or something. I'll give you a full list. So there. Super big fan of creepy pasta and totally loving the bloody disgusting podcast. Um, going with John's uh, choices for the week, I think one of yours that you should watch is Drag Me to Hell. Probably one of my most favorite comedy horror, I think, is the genre. I have watched that, I want to say, like 20 times. Because I just love it so much. So I would love to hear you guys talk about Drag Me to Hell. Um, and I look forward to the show continuing on. Thanks so much, guys. And this is Joanna. I'm calling from Phoenix, Arizona. Thanks, Joanna. 
Uh, Megan, Zena, what do you think of Drag Me to Hell? I love it. I love it. I have to assume you've seen it. I love it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love it. I feel like this one doesn't get enough love. Like, it deserves more love than it's gotten in the past, especially, I think, when it first got released. But Sam Raimi, like, how do you... That's exactly what you expect from a Sam Raimi movie, which is splatstick, dark comedy. Uh, it's, I, I'm guessing it's the end that, that, you know, polarizes, but I adore this movie. I'm right there with you, Megan. It's one of my favorite movies. I'm still hoping for a sequel. I don't think that it's too late. I want to see what Christine is doing in hell. And I think that Clay <laughs> needs to try to save his woman. You know, never forget the goat. It's just such a great movie. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel cuddly on the inside. It scares you. It makes you laugh. <laughs> like, it has it all. It's it's a good time. Yeah, this is one I've, it's actually been on my list to rewatch for the longest time. Because I watched it probably right after it came out on DVD. And I wasn't really paying attention to it. Like, for whatever reason, I don't know why. Like, I was just kind of half paying attention. So, like, the moments were all of a sudden, like, the very Sam Raimi scene with like the possessed woman, like kind of doing the little dance while floating in the air. It's like, Oh my God, like, of course that's Sam Raimi. Like it's such a perfect, <laughs> it's a nod to himself. Like it's so like you see almost to the point where you see that sort of thing in other movies and you think either it's an homage or a straight ripoff of Sam Raimi when stuff like that appears. Um, yeah. I think it's really good. Uh, like I enjoyed it. But it's definitely one of those things where I can't say, like, I loved it because I, I need to rewatch it. And it's definitely been on my list for a long time. It just never pops up on streaming services. Yeah. I mean, it's on Stars right now if you have a Stars account or even a free yeah, trial that's... through Prime. Maybe I have I've to do that. that I have so many yeah. trials. <laughs> I, I know. So many I know. You got to set calendar alarm. But, exactly. yeah, I don't know. I, I think Drag Me to Hell, like, it's more clever too the more you rewatch where you're you know because throughout the movie there's a whole lot of oral fixation happening like stuff keeps ending up in her mouth you know <laughs> she gets gummed in the mouth from from the corpse there's stuff vomiting into her mouth and it's and then you're like okay that's probably super crazy Raimi gag but then you start to piece together subtle clues you know that imply that Christine was overweight when she was younger and lost a lot of weight. And it's like, this is like direct horror playing on her fears related to weight. And it's like very subtle, clever things that it's like more than just splat stick Raimi. It's a smarter movie than I think it gets credit for too. Absolutely. So yes, Joanna, I'm with you. That said, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as the lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist, Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and for her infinite love of the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hey. And I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, we're going to do a quick round the table of the movies, books, games, anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe it's going to be things that'll help make you smile, too. Zena, what's been filling your heart this week? Okay, I feel like every single week I'm always saying to you guys, guys, I've been watching like really great movies. No, this time I mean it. So <laughs> even if you didn't believe me before, <laughs> I mean it this time. So the first one. I Those other ones were crap. <laughs> Those... She'll be saying that again in the weeks. I know I it. I know now. <laughs> but I'm just really excited about these two movies that I watched. But okay. the first one, I checked out Monster Party on Shudder and it's from 2018. Okay. And it's basically about these three thieves who break into a party. Well, they don't really break in because they're kind of like working the party. And um, this is a spoiler, but, you know, this is how we roll now. Uh, basically, they they basically break into this party that's secretly hosted by a group of recovering serial killers. And their heist pretty much turns into them trying to survive. So it is like a dark comedy um, but I feel like if you're someone who really loves like gore, you're going to enjoy this one. And I was someone who, when I first checked it out, I kind of skipped out on the synopsis. I didn't watch a trailer. I remember hearing about it and I thought that the poster, it, you know, it seemed fun. And I believe that the director, which I apologize, um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, he also filmed a movie a couple of years ago called The Drifter or Drifter. 
So the first 30 minutes, um, you won't really know what's going on, but I feel like that's what makes it so great because it's like a fresh, like just breath of air because it completely just changes and just take like a, like a turn, <laughs> a bloody turn because it's like super original. I feel like it's messy and honestly, it's just fun. Sometimes you just need that in your life. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be like something that's super profound. It's just a fun movie. So um, I highly recommend that. Again, if you are someone who enjoys gore, you need to watch this. You need it in your life. You need it. <laughs> I've never even heard of this one, so I'll definitely add it to my list on Shudder. Okay, cool. Cool. But yeah, um, that's, that's the first one. The second That's one. The first one. Okay. I'm so excited. So at first I was gonna add a third movie, but I have to gush about this movie. I have to like really <laughs> go in about it. So I checked out Even the Wind is Afraid on Tubi from 1968. And it's about these group of girls who are at a boarding school and they're forced to spend like their 10-day vacation on campus as a punishment. And there just so happens to be like a restless spirit of a former student who's seeking revenge. And um, this is want to do. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. And you can tell by the title that, yes, the wind is outrageous. Like I was looking for it when I was watching. The, I mean, the wind is insane. But, you know, the title, <laughs> it does warn us. But it's it's kind of like there there are nightmares there's a dead girl that's haunting the other girls there's a forbidden tower i feel like this movie it like truly has it all like it just you cannot see how i'm smiling right now but you guys can see and you can hear just, it in your it, voice though. you can hear it come on <laughs> anyone listening can hear like, how much you're smiling it's so good it's visually appealing there are rich bright colors there's an amazing set and it's genuinely creepy like cinematography and it's just like stylish and like with the director listen i am so obsessed we're listening <laughs> i'm so obsessed with the director but you guys aren't ready for that yet so just give me a second but it's kind of okay. like the story it is a slow burn but i don't want you to think that there's no that there's no horror because the horror is there it's like they just kind of focus on like building around the, like the characters and their relationship. And then with the horror itself, it's like the atmosphere. Like it's just, you can smell it in the air, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's everywhere. And it's like, I want to call it a Gothic horror, but it's not full Gothic horror. And even though, again, it was released in like 1968, it is still mm. just one of those movies that's, that still just hits, that's still just like relatable. Because it's like you feel for the girls. Imagine being on spring break and you can't go home. Like what? Like, I don't know. It's just what life is that? Right. And then there's some haunted dead girl running around. Like, give me a break. <laughs> but, you know, these girls, they did decide to be nosy and explore like the haunted tower. And then they got caught. And that's what happens when you're when you're nosy. But I know that this movie isn't always well known, um, but. I was talking to Megan about this movie and it made me so happy that she heard about it. And we're just like, yes, chorus sisters now, but, um, I <laughs> you know who to ask in this group. Hey, have you seen this obscure movie? <laughs> Don't ask John. Well, I saw it on her list of movies that she was going to discuss. And I was super excited because I was telling her, I actually heard of this movie a year ago. It's I, it's been on my want list for a year. I it. bought a DVD. It did not work. <laughs> Um, probably the whole region's shenanigans, but I'm so happy to know, thanks to Xena, it's on Tubi. Yes. Cause like, even the title alone hooks you, even the wind is afraid. Like, what is terrifying the wind? Right? You know, dead you got girl. to know. I have to know. This dead girl who wants revenge and she's sick of everybody. I mean, everybody. <laughs> but seriously though, even when it comes with the, the director, um, I'm probably going to butcher his last name, but it's Carlos Enrique Toboda. So, okay. He honestly is one of my favorite directors i first discovered him about three years ago when i came across this movie called poison for the fairies i love that movie this movie <laughs> i have to close my eyes because i need to like vision it this movie brought me so much life and you know i used to hate when people say like oh this movie brought me life oh did it right but no now <laughs> now i know i know that feeling you know and it's just like it brought me so much life like i oh, couldn't man. stop thinking about it 
I remember going around telling people about it. And I just want to talk about it all the time. It's kind of like how I feel about Carrie, how I just want to spend like five hours talking about Carrie. Like, I feel that way about this movie. But seriously. About Even the Wind is Afraid or Poison for the Fairies? Poison for or the both? Fairies. Like, you okay. Know, with, you know, Even the Wind is Afraid, it's, it's great. Like, I could spend like a couple of hours. I don't know about five. Why am I dancing? I don't know. It's just so much happening. Because you were that jazzed about this movie, <laughs> but, about both of these movies. Yes, but it's just like, okay, but if you haven't heard of Poison of the Fairies, um, it's basically about like this 10 year old girl who convinces like this other little girl who's lonely and rich that she's a witch. And at first it's like starts off where it's just like a game and you know, it seems like, oh, it's just a, it's just a game. It's just playful. But yeah, but then things just turn like really nasty and violent and it will haunt you forever. Um, but point is, as you can tell, I'm a little bit obsessed with the director, but I really love his horror movies. I really love his movies. I feel like he creates like a sense of danger without using blood and violence it's psychological it's beautiful it's terrifying it's just everything i've ever dreamed of that i need so that's what i've watched i'm sorry that for the long speech just i feel better for letting you guys know that is the single greatest recommendation for any movie that i've ever heard Yeah, it's all downhill from here, folks. No, no. Yeah, Tubi, Tubi is <laughs> suddenly going like, to get shut down. <laughs> but Tubi is winning with the movies. Like, that's, it's crazy that it was just right on there. But, okay. Yeah, okay, I'm done. I'm done. What about you, Megan? There's a What's lot going of on? <laughs> How do I even you follow that up? You got a lot to live up? up to following that act. <laughs> yeah, on that note, everything's going to sound like super no. true. And then I watch this. No. Um... <laughs> I checked out Spiral on Shudder. That's one of the movies that Xena mentioned coming out last week. Uh, So it is a brand spanking new release. And the plot is uh, follows Aaron and Malik. They move to a small town so they can enjoy a better quality of life and raise their 16-year-old daughter with the best social values. But nothing is as it seems in their picturesque neighborhood. And when Malik, Malik spies the neighbors next door throwing a very strange party... Uh, something shocking has got to give. That's that's the description. Um, it's a 90s set movie about a couple that moves to this small town. And the neighbors are very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, it's written by Colin Minahan, who was one half of the duo behind Grave Encounters. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very, again, with the slow burn descriptor, but it's kind of like a slow build. It reminded me a lot of The Invitation mm-hmm. Not necessarily in plot, but in the way that it's very atmospheric and moody and weird stuff starts happen, happening. And then by the end, you're like sucker punched with this visceral kind of shocking climax yeah. that sticks with you. So I really liked it. Um, that that was a fun surprise. I mean, I'd heard good buzz about it, but um, I enjoyed it. And I know Zena liked it, too. Yes, definitely. Like uh, Colin yeah. Minahan, like, man, he's he's just becoming one of my favorites i really did enjoy his movie what keeps you alive that was the one we were talking about yeah. last week so yeah. i love the fact that this movie is receiving a lot of buzz because it is well deserved yeah i do think that that kind of slow buildy type stuff tends to be divisive but if you know i think if the invitation was your bag then you you'll probably enjoy this too Definitely. nice yeah and then i blame john for this one <laughs> Um, but I also watched My Soul to Take, which is on stars, um, from 2010 and it's a Wes Craven movie, um, about a serial killer. He returns to his hometown to stalk seven children who share the same birthday as the day he was allegedly put to rest. Um, it's an oddball one that most people don't like. I agree that it's not without its flaws, but I, I enjoy it anyway. Um, I kind of feel like it's Wes Craven doing a modern, like an 80s style slasher, but in a modern setting. It feels very like dreamy and the kids are all very like characters you'd see in an 80s slasher. It doesn't feel modern. It doesn't reinvent the wheel. Like people are probably expecting, you know, New Nightmare or Scream. It's not that. It's just this goofy, fun sometimes schlocky 
slasher movie about like a killer who may be reborn with one of his, you know, with his soul in one of these seven kids. And then they start dying. Um, it's got a final boy. So it's, it's kind of reminiscent of shocker. I mean, I feel like it's closer to shocker than anything. I think that's probably the best description. If you enjoy uh, shocker, you'll probably enjoy my soul to take. Listen, um, you're either shocker or you're not. Yeah, you're team shocker, and if you you're are, not, then you'll probably enjoy adjacent. bug. Yeah, um, but yeah, so bug is a lot like you know the lead in shocker, but I think he could also be a dream warrior. Because oh. when I was a kid, I was super obsessed with these these talented artists that are in that movie. You know, like the the guy who did puppets, like, and then ended up dying like he was a puppet. And then, oh. you know, Kristen was making the house. She messed me up. Yeah. But, like, they're super talented artists. And I, I could never achieve that. And then Bug is like, there's this scene in My Soul to Take where he recreates a project for school where he builds a condor suit. And it's amazing. It might be my favorite scene in the movie. Aww. It's really dumb, but I love it. So, yeah. Um, that's John's fault, I think. <laughs> the whole shocker talk and stew and scream. And I revisited my soul to take. You are welcome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, Honest, listeners. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, you said not without their flaws, but you still like it. But, I mean, if, yeah. we're, if we're really being honest, how many movies... Yeah. Do you regularly watch or want to watch or watch on repeat as comfort that isn't full of flaws? So true. Right. You know, the movies, the movies that I adore that I would put in like the top five all time, I don't want to yeah. watch them on repeat at all. They're great movies, but they're not like comfort. They're most of yeah. them, like there's some kind of tension or awkwardness or whatever. Like it's the flaws. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just age or something. It used to be like, oh god, well that's stupid. Like that had whatever. But like now, yeah. flaws are almost more endearing to me. N not like technical flaws or like not like they were just lazy with editing or stuff like that. Because bad editing right. ruins a movie more than anything for me. But it's more just kind of like, yeah, it's campy. Oh yeah, that was silly right. or stupid or whatever. Like, but it's I don't know. Maybe you're it's having I'm silly fun. And that's stupid. all that matters. <laughs> like the ice cream. Yeah, yeah like it's. Just, Exactly. It's just fun. It's Grave Encounters or, or Hell House LLC or, or, or Mutilator for me, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. No, I totally understand that. Yeah. Basically, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. True. No, not at Don't all. Don't feel it's guilty so, yeah. for what you enjoy. Yeah, especially movies. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, own it or, yeah, just love it. And. Yeah, you know, so what's I, I embrace this movie. What's crazy is I remember when um, My Soul to Take, when it first came out, I remember mm -hmm. not a lot of people liked it. It was getting like no. yeah, a lot of negative reviews. And I didn't see it in the theaters. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, when I finally yeah. checked it out, I wasn't a big fan. But then I remember yeah. I rewatched it maybe like a couple of months later and I loved it. So, you know, sometimes yeah. that, that can also help as well. But I do agree with you. It is, there are flaws, but I don't know. It kind of makes it, I sold it. It does. There's, it's so melodramatic, the opening <laughs> scene. It's so melodramatic. It's goofy. And I, I appreciate somebody who does, is not afraid to just go for it. We're going to go bonkers. It's cool. So, yeah, yeah I well, miss Wes. And it's kind of, you know, goofiness in horror movies like that. Like, it's also tension breakers. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can't do 90 minutes of horror. Nobody wants to watch that. Mm -hmm. Like, you might say you do, and, you know, maybe there's people who do go for the, the extreme horror movies like Serbian film or oh, that Necrotatic or whatever that one Necromantic. Was yeah. yeah. Maybe, the, sure, I get it. There are definitely people that go for that. But generally speaking, there needs to be some tension break. It's like... Yeah. Uh, like um like really long action scenes like i like john wick and the matrix and stuff like that but honestly if there's too many of those in a movie i really do get to the point of okay i know you're not gonna die so can we just get this over <laughs> with? Like, we had some good ones let's let's move it along now now i actually want to just see what's gonna happen so yeah like it's just it's nice those it might not be intentional for the filmmakers but i think even if audiences can't vocalize their appreciation for stuff like that, I think it yeah. kind of has to exist in a really enjoyable, rewatchable movie. Very true. What did you watch, John? So I'm going to I suck with my formula. 
One classic, okay. one slasher, one found footage. Now, whether you call mine a classic or a slasher is going to be subjective, but I can talk myself into pretty much anything. So first off, my classic, <laughs> as I deem it, my classic is 1987's The Lost Boys, Ooh. which I finally bought on VOD because it's not available streaming anywhere that I could find it. So <clears throat> Michael Emerson and his younger brother, Sam, travel with their recently divorced mother, Lucy, to the small beach town of Santa Clara, California, to live with their eccentric father, her eccentric father, uh, oh, referred to simply as grandpa, then vampires. <laughs> so I basically took the first line of the synopsis in Wikipedia, and then I was like, well, that doesn't tell me anything. But you know what does? Vampires. vampires. There is so many aspects of this movie. One, it's a time capsule for the time it mm-hmm. was made. I know that a lot of media now tries to set, like tries to focus itself around a certain timeless nature of something. I know podcasts are like that. There's plenty of people who try and do like TV shows or whatever that aren't so specifically rooted in a time. Yeah. But come on. The Lost Boys... <laughs> First of all, there's saxophone in it. Oh, my God. Saxophone yes. is 80s. There's People don't do saxophone in movies anymore. Like, I feel like something happened around St. Elmo's Fire, and they're like, nope, done. Which bums me out. Because then you lose the, the shirtless, greased-up dude singing a song <laughs> that that crowd loved. I that know. It's a great song. It is a really like, catchy, like, it's a very great scene but then you're right when you're thinking about it you're like what hard rockers are like yeah sax man and at this very moment i just came up with the fan theory he's a vampire because he hypnotized them into knowing the words and thinking it's good It was catchy. Yeah, I love it's the just... soundtrack. I do love the soundtrack. But these, but, but these punk headbangers doesn't seem like it, that would have been their jam. Yeah, this is a bike gang. They're they're riding around, you know, yeah. killing people and mm-hmm. partying all night, sleeping all day, and jamming to the sex. But they guy. still believe. Oh. So they, that's why they still. <laughs> I still believe. He, he made them believe. Huh? Exactly. See, believe. He made them believe it was a good song. And it is. But everything. You know, like you said, the soundtrack, like just kind of the timeless nature of it all. Like you got young Jason Patrick and Kiefer Sutherland and, and uh, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman and, and you know, even Alex Winters with like two sentences in like the entire movie and Amy Gertz. And like it's – there. You know, you, know, you want to talk camp and flaws and cheesiness and stuff. Like the Lost Boys, to me, even to, like even watching it again, like – no, I wasn't scared watching any of it. But well, you're not supposed to. It's a horror comedy. Yeah. Like, it, it's not, but I was going to say, like, it's not, It's I'm not overtly scared, but, it, you know, sometimes you watch a movie once and you think, oh my yeah. God, those scenes were really scary. And then you watch it again and you're like, why did I think that was scary? So yeah. that's not The Lost Boys for me. The Lost Boys, I was scared initially. And then now I can watch it again and be like, no, God, that I, I can see how that would, like, I'm not scared, but, like, I get it. Like, it kind of still holds up as scares and, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't know that I I was ever scared of that one just because it's so light in, in so many ways. And I Oh, remember... I'm Megan. I don't get scared by horror movies and have to I, sleep No, I do. I, I do. I do. I get, I get oh, yeah. like, terrified, terrified, scared the crap out of For me. sure. The Lost Boys, though? I don't know. I feel like... Especially because it's like... Okay, but when did you watch The Lost Boys? How old were you when you saw The Lost Boys? I uh, I was probably like five or six when I first watched it. Oh, yeah. I was really young. I'm going to leave that pregnant pause in. What? (laughs) You saw it when you were five or six? I mean, my mom, she's down with horror movies. So it's like whatever she watched, I watched. And I mean, it is Oh, shit. Now I I feel like a... Damn it. (laughs) I feel like I'm in the same boat as Zena, though, because I watched horror when I was way too young because I would accompany my dad to the video store and he would just let me run amok and pick things based on, you know, and I was always drawn to the monsters on the cover box. So when I was young, I was more terrified by like, you know, Linda from Evil Dead 2 with her, you know, or like the Zuni doll from Trilogy of Terror and even Chucky in Child's Play rolling under the bed and losing bats. So like by the time these hot, teenage vampires came along i'm like yeah no nah, i'll party with them <laughs> yeah. i mean I, I don't you know beastie boys you got to fight for your right to party with 
you know. But you said that your dad would let you run amok. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He let me run amok. He would browse the new release walls and I'd be wandering the horror aisle and picking things based on like, ooh, that's got a monster in it. <laughs> that's so cool. No, we've established our horror toughness hierarchy in this episode. That's for damn sure. So Lost Boys scares <laughs> me. And these two watched it before, you know, they were in grade school. So Yeah, we watched it too young, but you know. That's sad. Yeah, you're desensitized. Really he, That's what it is. I down. still have a childlike glee for these <laughs> things. <laughs> we, we, you know, trial by fire for Xena and I. I suppose, yeah. You just toughened up over the years. I don't know. Maybe I just refuse to let that go. Anyway, I love it. Lost Boys, uh, just go buy it. It might be streaming somewhere, it. but it's worth just having. Uh, and then True. for my slash, okay, so that's my classic. Uh, so for my slasher, these probably could have been switched, but I don't think of Lost Boys as a slasher. Um, and people aren't going to necessarily think this one either. But 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula on Shudder, mm. which is only on Shudder until the end of September. Oh, I personally so think it's crazy. a slasher. There's more necks and stuff being slashed and more blood, like the blood explosions when you stab a vampire and stuff. There's so much blood in this movie. And I didn't watch anything else that would qualify itself as a slasher. <laughs> <laughs> You're just shoehorning that in. Okay. okay. I, I think that makes can. sense. Th- throats are slashed. People are cut. Like, they're, they're slashing. There's blood. Therefore, slasher. You, you give me. Yeah. You know. And it's Dracula. He's like the original slasher. <laughs> anyway. I'm so not impressing my co-host today. No. 1992's <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula on Shudder. You got like five more days for this. The American Gothic horror film, directed and produced by Francis Ford Coppola, based on the 1897 novel Dracula by Bram Stoker. Uh, yeah, that's all I got because I just pulled the first line off Shutter and I gave up because I'm so tired. <laughs> um, listen, it's it's Dracula. It's Bram Stoker's Dracula with, you know, and when I first watched this, oh God, I don't know. Obviously, it came out in 92, so, you know, you guys watched it again in grade school. But I probably watched it around high school or so. And I didn't like it at all. Like, the cinematography, that certain... You guys are going to have a way better word for the cinematography than I do. Like, like the intention... Like, like at the open, when Vlad's, like, impaling people. And it's almost a Sam Raimi-esque, like, cheesiness to it. Mm -hmm. Like, like, like... Cut out backgrounds, and I, I don't have a good word for what he's making an homage to like period films, you know, uh, of, of yeah, that I suppose. era. Probably, yeah, really utilizing and it's a beautifully shot film. Like, I don't remember watching it the first time and like really appreciating, like, oh my god, like he actually he made something big here, yeah. yes, yes. And Gary Oldman is phenomenal in it. Like, I know they gave him the, the Oscar for playing Winston Churchill. Come on. <laughs> yeah. This was, he was crazy in this. And, like, you know, all the little things, the shadow moving out of sync. And, and and I forgot how good Anthony Hopkins was in it. Yeah. He's hilarious through, like, the whole movie. I remember him being, like, just super serious vampire hunter. And he's, like, he's just, no, like, giving he's... people shit through it. <laughs> he's funny yeah he's just having like a blast in it like that actually like was like almost infect i could see how that could detract someone from the movie but that almost felt like infectious for me because you know like so much of my memory of it is of how much i didn't like keanu reeves in it i feel like that's the weak spot for a lot of people yeah you know and i've heard a lot I, i i heard something from keanu saying like the reason his voice sounds like that is he had spent so much tr- time trying to learn the accent that he like strained his voice, mm. and like that was the best he could do. Uh, I don't know if I believe that because it's Keanu Reeves. Like it is what it is. Like, yeah, he's not horrible across the board. Like there I are feel- definitely some points where I hear Point Break. So much so that I went and watched Point Break right after this. Oh, <laughs> that one's a good one too. But that's it is a, um, oh, it's so good. I, I feel yeah, like I mean I get that compared to these these giants, you know, like Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman, he's definitely like the weaker one. But at the same time, like Jonathan Harkin Harker is not really a character that's that takes up most of the space. He does what he's supposed to do, which is bridge you know, Dracula to find Mina and come over and 
try and woo her to the dark side. So he's not really, he's kind of a non-entity to really like make that be a big hindrance of, for the film, I think. I forgot that he was uh, am- absent in the second act. Yeah. Like, he he's exists like in hardly... the first and the third. Yeah. But he's getting yeah. eaten for most of that. So I feel like <laughs> he's getting drained. Don't worry about him. You know. <laughs> Were you a fan of Monica Bellucci's role? <laughs> Sorry, you were, uh, I had another small child moment there when you said he was getting drained for the second act. Oh, yeah, in more ways than one. There we go, because I like low-hanging fruit. It's funny. Anywho, (laughs) yeah, so Bram Stoker's Dracula. I I had way more appreciation watching it. I think it's only my second time watching it. So I was, I was really more taken by the visual aspect of it all like everything like Renfield like the the way the sanitarium was like and and frankly just some very over-the-top performances in general but that was also yeah it's intentional and it's and it's endearing in its own way like yeah if if you go in expecting one thing if you go in expecting shadow of a vampire like you're not gonna get it like that's not I mean that's funny in different ways but it's but it's dry and it's supposed to be sparse and depressing. And I almost argued Bram Stoker's Dracula is not like you feel bad for him or I felt bad for him more than anyone else in it personally. I, f- I feel like this is a horror epic, which we don't really get a oh, whole lot of. Yeah. This is a grand epic that has everything like the big budget that you're not going to get a whole lot of these days. It's got, the I mean, obviously horror, but it's a romance first and foremost and then you've got comedy i mean you he's really like it's it's everything but mm-hmm. but also with this gorgeous homage style to like the silent film era it's it's a good movie i love this it movie so much movie. did you like uh yeah. monica bellucci's performance yep you should who is monica <laughs> she's bellucci one of the vampires that uh was Dracula's draining bride, keanu yeah. reeves oh was she okay did you know that off the top of your head xena yeah, because I, when I first watched it, kind of like you, I wasn't like a huge fan. But then I rewatched it when I was a little bit older, and you just have like a whole new appreciation yeah. for it. You know, you see the the costume design alone is just like whoa. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but you knew her name was Monica Bellucci. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, That's have you ever crazy. seen Brotherhood of the Wolf? She's very good she's in Brotherhood, so Brotherhood of the Wolf. Oh, is she the crazy woman in Brotherhood of the Wolf? <laughs> she's the um, brothel owner. Is she an owner or a prostitute? I thought she was She's... a crazy person in Brotherhood of the Wolf. <laughs> if you're just maybe we're talking about two different awkward. movies. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I'm scared. She's I'm definitely talking in about the Matrix. The what is the second one? The Matrix Reloaded. Reloaded. The Matrix. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's one of the peoples in that one. <laughs> Oh my god, you guys are killing me. All right, I'm doing research after the show. We know who she is, but we cannot communicate that. All right, found footage. Okay. 2016's The Phoenix Tapes. Uh, The Phoenix Tapes 97. Uh, I watch on Amazon, and evidently they pulled it just this last week because I went back to Mm. double check and it wasn't there. Four campers went missing during the infamous Phoenix Lights incident, and their bodies were never found. This is their last known footage. The camper's whereabouts are still unknown. Uh, so this is a super low, like, oh God, I'll, I guess I'd say just low budget found footage film um, based on Phoenix Lights incident where three lights hovered over Phoenix in 1997 and were Ooh. captured by a lot of people. Like there were 911 calls into the, the police department who were, were basically saying, yeah, we see it too. We have no idea what it is. Um, so that that kind of turned into like its own, you know, very big deal in the alien. I think they're called ufologists, like their circles about what that actually was. But and the premise of this is is really cool. Like there's kind of an open and close. Like this is a, a tr- this is true found footage because the footage was found in like the wall of this guy's house, hidden by his son who had gone through this. And nice. the the thing that this does better than anything. This is 2016 is they filmed it on the right kind of film. Like, they're saying this happened in 97, and the quality of film is like they have an old handheld VHS camcorder, which they probably must have used something similar because you look at it and you're like, oh, no, they got it right. Hmm. You know, so many... I've seen so many phone footage films that try and, like, they'll shoot it digital. 
and then like mm-hmm. try and degrade the picture. And it's like, no, I can tell it's not, it's not the same. That's not a VHS tape, but yeah. like you get the tracking in it and everything. And like you get just like the cuts and everything. It, it's super simple. Cause it's just four friends who go camping mm-hmm. and like the first, it's only like 65 minutes long or 70 oh. minutes long. And like cool. the first 20, 30 minutes is just them being douchebag guys. And then <laughs> like stuff starts to happen. Point. Yeah. And so, and then it's kind of like surrounding, they see the lights and then what happens afterwards. Um, I really like it cause it's really simple. It's another one of those phone footage movies that like, they just, they just did it right. Like cool. they weren't asking these guys to do Shakespeare or have any insane monologues. It was the four guys camping and bad stuff starts to happen. Aww. So basically, act like an idiot around your friends, and then when bad stuff happens, yell at your friends. <laughs> that's that's the gist of it. And honestly, for me, that really sells the package. It's not high <laughs> art. It's not necessarily something, again, that I want to watch over and over again, like listening to people scream at, you, at each other when stuff starts no. to go down. But there's that, little, there's that level of authenticity. Like, and that gets ruined, especially in a lot of horror movies where people like this scene suddenly becomes so dramatic when the reality is it would probably be really fast and really frenzied and chaotic and people wouldn't be thinking right. And they would just be mad because that's easier than or less embarrassing than being scared and crying. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like it's just it's little things like that that just they work for me so well. And again, it's because I watch so many found footage movies, I think that it's it's rare to see one where it's like, oh, no, like, oh, good work. Like, not that I, nice. <laughs> not that I watch them all and I'm just like, oh, why? Is it similar to um, Phoenix Forgotten? Uh, it's based it's... off the same incident. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, duh. Okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, th- I think that one's actually on Prime. Um, okay. And it's, I'd watch that too. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's really simple. It's a short watch. If, you're looking from for a phone footage that uh, you've probably never heard of before. Yeah, the uh, the Phoenix Tapes '97 is a really good one. Okay, cool, awesome. All right, enough of what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. What's going on, Megan? Woo. Okay, so just a quick follow up um, from last week's episode, which you should all listen to if you haven't already. Um, Freaky is officially rated R for strong, bloody violence. Um, and if you want a peek of what that might entail, uh, Fangoria, they dropped a sneak peek image of their cover for the October issue on Bloody Disgusting. I'm sure you can see it on Fangoria also, which you have, if you are, if you want Fangoria, you have till October 1st to subscribe to get the October issue. I'm in that Meg, I'm in the issue with three articles. Yeah. So why not? Yep, there you go. John's you you can't see it, but John's showing us the picture. Yeah. When <laughs> yeah. you listen to this, go to fan go, or go to Blumhouse from uh, two days ago. And there's yeah, the go to Bloody about. Disgusting. Yeah, and search Freaky or Fangoria. To, yeah, you'll see a lovely gory cover. So it will be rated R. Um, so yeah, that was just a quick follow up, and then I wanted to touch on cobweb i think i've mentioned this briefly before but cobweb is a new movie from the creators of marianne um that and they just announced their leads lizzie kaplan and anthony Starr. lizzie kaplan if you don't know she was in the second season of castle rock as annie wilkes um and she was in cloverfield i think those are probably her two more prominent genre roles anthony Starr i believe she had a small role in new girls for a couple episodes (laughs) <laughs> digging deep oh i'm really driving home my role in this podcast just so y'all <laughs> new girl references that's right <laughs> you can braid our hair after um, i'm sorry <laughs> you've seen mine you want to you want to go there i will absolutely give that a shot no because well. we already established john's idea of a slumber party is not normal so no, anyway it's my um, hopes and dreams not my ideas <laughs> It's your, yeah, well, that's a whole other episode. Um, Anthony Starr is the other lead. He's Homelander in The Boys, which I also highly recommend, um, which is a show on Amazon Prime. They are the parents. um, And the plot is um, set in a small town in a seemingly ordinary house 
where a young boy hears really strange tapping sounds um, from inside the walls, and he suspects that his parents are hiding a terrible secret. Well, with those two cast as the parents, it's not far-fetched to assume why he would think that, because <laughs> Lizzie Kaplan is Annie Wilkes, and Antony Starr is Homelander in The Boys. Those are two terrifying uh, characters. Um, so yeah, I have no idea what's going on, but I wanted to mention it because Marianne, which is on Netflix, is one of the most terrifying things. You talk about how we don't scare easy. That does it. Like, watch the first two episodes of Marianne. Even if you don't like the rest of the show, the first two episodes will freaking hook you. Um, so yeah. I don't know. This There's that. That kind of sounds like I an episode. I love the passion this episode. Yeah, we are fired up. That kind of sounds like a R.L. Stein, like, Fair Street episode. Like, I could have sworn that I, I read, like, one of the books where there was, like, this person thing in the wall. I mean, I don't know. It sounds cool. I feel like that could be a lot of things. But um, it's going to be a Lionsgate movie. It's scheduled to begin shooting sometime this month if it hasn't already started. So it's not, like, a thing that will fizzle out that's nice. set to go in production, which is good. I want more things for Samuel Bowden, the creator of Marianne. Um, and also, in my continued mission to ensure... That Halloween will not be without entertainment this uh, this fall. There's a lot. Um, normally, film festivals are things that seem unattainable financially. You have to travel to. It's where a lot of press goes. But being that we're all stuck inside for the pandemic, they're all turning to virtual editions. Which means that the next few weeks are super busy if you are interested in, in attending a film festival from your home. So starting this Thursday, the 24th, there's Fantastic Fest Celebration which um, is free. You just go to fantasticfest.com and RSVP on the screenings, and then you just have to watch through their Alamo On Demand app. Um, so there's a bunch of stuff. It's it's f- throughout the weekend. Um, but the one that I think I'm most excited about is The Stylist, oh. which is the, yeah, yeah, the feature debut by Jill Gurit. I cannot pronounce I her name. I apologize. Scared. But yeah, Don't it's her she. feature debut. If you've ever seen the short which i'm assuming by zena's reactions she's seen the short it stars nahara townsend um as a stylist who's a little bit more like leatherface <laughs> than anything Oof. um so this will be huh john's Nothing. face is I like said, very Ooh. perplexed yeah okay uh but yeah i'm so trying to figure out if it what, what way to go with that image in my head it's gory it's gory um and brie grant will star in this film as well um yeah and it will be gory so yes. i'm very excited about that um nightstream.org it's it's nightstream film festival but that's the website they have not announced their lineup yet as of this recording i bet by the time this episode drops they will it's set to take place october 8th through 11th and it is a team-up between multiple film festivals. So if you go to Boston Underground Film Festival or Brooklyn Horror Film Festival or North Bend Film Festival or the Overlook Film Festival or Popcorn Frights Film Festival, <laughs> all of those have been canceled in person this year. They're just combining their efforts to unleash like a That's seriously awesome. like packed film festival. And then, um, as if that's not enough to keep your next few weekends booked, there's the Salem Horror Fest, which you can find out more information at SalemHorror.com. That's scheduled to take place October 2nd through the 11th. So the first you can buy, I think, a first weekend pass or a second weekend pass or an all-weekend pass. And that will have um, lots of things. Lots of guest speakers, podcasts, retrospectives, premieres, Joe Dante tributes everything Zena might even have a panel for for that don't you do have a panel for that um it's a black uh horror representation um from the 2010s to now so you guys can check that out where we talk about just like our favorite like black characters um it's pretty spicy. And I'm wearing a great outfit. It's pretty spicy. So <laughs> I know you, you can't fully see it, but I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was serving looks. So you're welcome to check that out. Yeah. So, you know, go to Salem Horror, buy you pass. See Zena, what she looks like when she's offering her passionate delivery <laughs> of uh, her recommendations. So, yeah. That's what it is. She's lot. still flying high from the outfit. Yeah. 
She's very excited for you all to see it. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's just like the next few weeks. There's still lots of other stuff in the pipeline, like film festivals I haven't even touched on yet. So if you ever wanted to experience a film festival, this is probably the most economical means of doing so from the comfort of your own couch, which is cool. And last but not least, um, Love and Monsters has got a trailer and a release date for premium video on demand for October 16th. It was formerly titled Monster Problems, um, and it was supposed to be released by Paramount sometime in March or April, and then, you know, pandemic happened. That is, it's a PG-13 adventure comedy that's set after a monster apocalypse where giant monsters have invaded and forced the remnants of humanity into underground colonies. Dylan O'Brien stars as a young man who realizes that his high school sweetheart is still alive and he's willing to risk it all to go up to the surface and journey to find her. Mm. And along the way, he encounters a heroic pup and two survivalists, one of which played by Michael Rooker. So it looks like something more in the vein of, say, like, Zombieland in terms of comedy horror. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But I thought that that was interesting. Another October release to look forward to. And I really wanted to kind of know what you guys feel. Where do you stand on the horror comedy spectrum? As opposed uh, when you say for or against? Or just, like, I mean, yeah, for or against, but even... The blend, I feel, is divisive. Whether something should lead more into the horror, whether too much into comedy oh, and you're put gotcha. off by it. Like, where where do you fall on the, the, the wide spectrum of horror or comedy? I mean, I would have to say four. <laughs> and then just leaning, it's more towards the idea of if you do it right. Like, it doesn't bother me to have something like um, Deathgasm. Or, and like, I love what we do in the shadows and like, and uh, T Tucker and Dale versus evil and Shaun of the dead and things like that, that are obviously either straight comedies or mm -hmm. leaning heavier just into being comedies mm -hmm. and they're done right. So like, it doesn't make any difference, but you know, <laughs> we don't need to name any names, but there's, there's horror franchises that have basically set around satires of popular movies or scary movies and it's like you're it's either one even low hanger even more low hanging fruit than i like or so you want like original or, versus spoof yeah you know i honestly don't think that there's really been a good satire since like the 90s like people tend to just go way too over the top like it's not subtle enough mm -hmm. so i would rather yeah, it's just the timing. It's like, if you want... Because, I mean, look at Scream. Scream's really funny. Like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of humor in it. And I don't know how much it was that the actor is bringing to the role or if that was the way Wes Craven I think intended, that was... But it, yeah. But, but I also so... think that's a rare example where it's like... Because I feel like a lot of horror comedies or comedy horror, whichever puts the kind of emphasis first. But, like, when you're doing sure. a horror comedy, so few actually really scare and I think Scream yeah. is one of the few that manages to to give you the laughs and the tension. Yeah, so I almost wonder if it's more performers, too. Because you know, we never really saw that from Wes. Like, even other movies that you might see of his that you think are funny, they're not like Scream, though. But, like, you can't tell me he doesn't have a sense of humor. I mean, I do think Scream oh, has a lot to do with Kevin does. Williamson with Kevin Williamson's script. Um, but I mean, people under the stairs, that was pre-scream and that is pure yeah. comedy. That's as satire. As, That's Wes. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, but as soon as a guy shows up in a full leather outfit, like gimp <laughs> yeah. suit, like I'm like, yeah. That's, I get, you're supposed to laugh. Can't laugh at gimp suits. <laughs> American Horror <laughs> Story not, season John? one was a rough watch for me. Oh, well, I definitely thought it was hilarious. And that's more about John. Learned a lot more about <laughs> me this week than he ever intended, didn't it? Well, John has a thing with gimp suits. Got it. Um, gimp suits and uh, and, and spiky daddies. 80s vampire movies. Leather Daddy might be the title. Oh, God. <laughs> Leather Daddy. I'm sorry. That was just... Leather I'll, Daddies. I'll sleep on that one. We'll see. <laughs> John loves leather daddies. <laughs> no, but 
when it comes to um, uh, comedy horrors, I'm definitely for it. There are so many that come to mind that I think they do a great job where it's a great mix of comedy and horror. Like even recently, um, Mm -hmm. Ready or Not, you know, Better Watch Mm -hmm. Out. Yeah. Um, And then taking it old school, Return of the Living Dead, or even um, Cabin in the Woods, Mom and Dad is Outrageous. So there's like, there's a lot. I feel like you just, but yeah, there's some that's just kind of like, you know, hey, this isn't funny. This isn't scary. What are you? You know, but you, you, you know, that just comes with it. True. So basically, we're all open to whatever they want to throw at us. As long as we find some way to connect with it, we're good. True. Exactly. Cool. All right, listeners, your turn. Are you excited for Freaky? Are you a fan of Mariana on Netflix? How do you feel about horror comedies or monster apocalypses or exactly how easy it is to scare John? Let's hear about it. <laughs> number is 224-475-1040. And the number is also in the show notes. For real, we play our favorite messages like we did at the top of the hour. Times are strange enough. People are mad about just about everything. We love horror. We want to hear your love of horror. Please only call if you'd actually like to participate. Please keep in mind that we do try and keep the show under an hour, so we do reserve the right to edit your message and shorten it as needed. And please limit yourself to one question or comment per call. Finally, if you're anything like us and you spend more than a little time streaming movies on Shutter, Netflix, Amazon, and a hundred other services out there, you're going to need help. So, to keep your indecisiveness at a minimum, Zena's going to clue us in on exactly what we should be watching. So, besides what you've already discussed today, Zena, <laughs> what should we be watching? Should versus need. Of course. So, first up, we have Let It Snow. Um, it will be out on VOD and DVD mm-hmm. Tuesday, the 22nd, uh, which is tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, there's a couple of movies floating around with this title. Um, but this one that I'm talking about, it is not a romantic, cute comedy it's a horror you know it's a blend of action and horror to be exact and it's about a couple that makes a visit to a remote european resort and you know you already know it's a horror movie so it's a horror movie so they decide to ignore the mysterious receptionist who tries to warn them about (laughs) the unexplained deaths and you know on the nearby trails literally she tries one does they don't listen <laughs> and they decide to sneak on this forbidden slope and they get split up and now they must fight for their lives because there's this mysterious snow man in a snowsuit. <laughs> well, it's a man in a snowsuit. He's, he's not a snowman. Wouldn't that be funny? Oh, I was like, is this Jack Frost right? part five? And then not only that, there just so happens to be a massive avalanche that is nearby. So there's a lot of things that's happening um, that's going on. Um, I personally feel like they could have had, they could have called this movie the Snowman, the Snow Monster, or something like that. And I would. Wasn't the Snowman that uh, Michael Fassbender uh, movie? You could have saved them. You had the clues. <laughs> right, right. But seriously, I'm I'm making it seem light, but it it really does have like a cool trailer. If you guys get a chance, check out the trailer. Um, and then again, cool. it'll be out, you know, this week. Um, and then next up, Shortcut will be out on VOD this Friday on the 25th. And it's about a group of classmates who are trapped inside their school bus after a mysterious creature invade the road. So this is a creature feature. Mm. And, you know, I just feel like we just need more creature features in our lives. So why not? I'm with you. Yeah. So again, and just in case if you guys missed it, Spyro, um, Megan spoke about this earlier. It is available on Shutter. Um, it is such a ride. Recommend that. And then Ratchet. I'm sorry. Just the name makes me laugh. Like, I, am I the only one who laughed at it? Nurse Ratchet. Okay, anyways. Um, but yeah, this this show um, is on Netflix. And it's about a young nurse at a mental institution who becomes jaded and bitter after... Um, Oh, excuse me, becomes jader and bitter before turning into a full-fledged monster to her patients. So this has been receiving a lot of mixed reviews. There are people who are really loving it. There are people who are not so much loving it. Either way, there's been like a lot of buzz on it. And right now, I believe that it made like the top 10 list on Netflix. So if you're interested in checking out this show, if you're someone who loves Ryan Murphy, who is behind uh, American Horror Story, as well as the show Hollywood, or I believe it's called... You guys may want to check this one out. Cool. Yeah, I'm I, I'm rereading uh, One Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest right now, so I don't know that it, it's a sharp change of gears to suddenly <laughs> jump over to a Ryan Murphy adaptation of uh, origin story. Like that might be jarring, but no, it looks really good. Like, yeah, I'm 
curious now almost more to watch that there's mixed reviews. <laughs> nah, but you know, but I say like give that. it a go if you're interested. It does look like it, yeah. it's it's really fun though. Nice. And that's Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at hauntedmeg. Zena can be found on her own website, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at lovelyzena on Twitter. And you can hear me in the insane amount of work that I'm putting in for the month of October on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. That switches to daily October 1st. And don't forget Ooh. to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and uh, help get the show some notice and we roll into the Halloween season. So feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bloody Disgusting Pod. And that's it. That's all the social medias, right? Yeah. Facebook? Snapchat? Yeah, I don't have a Facebook. No. TikTok? Ew. Ah, Is Snapchat right. still a thing? TikTok. It's TikTok? Gross. I don't know. I don't <laughs> so know. for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zeno. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. <laughs>